Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discussed the latest Chiefs news, including tagging Orlando Brown Jr., free agency rumors, Russell Wilson, heading to the AFC West. But first, Joe, I want to talk about this. Did you see the 40 times in the NFL Combine, eight wide receivers were timed under 4.4 seconds, and 12 offensive linemen were clocked under five? I mean, this must have been just a, a fast track, right? Those, those times are nuts. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, obviously, you know, they're probably getting a little better with the technology. So maybe we'll give a little bit of credit there, um, you know, to the technology. Cause you know, you do have that little bit of a margin of error with somebody's thumb or forefinger, you know, on a stopwatch and, you know, when they start. So you're definitely probably getting more accurate times. Um, but look, Jeff, I, I think athletes are just getting, better equipped and more, they're just more athletic, you know, big people are getting bigger. They're dealing with their size earlier in their life. And it's, it's giving them the ability to grow into their size. And, and, you know, the the ones that really get me, I I think if you look at it, probably if you were to chart it, Jeff, and, and to do it on like some kind of, 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 you know, a a graph or something like that, you'd have to say that the bigger the player the more change and more dramatic change we've had, right? Like there's only, there's only so many fractions of a second with these fast D-backs and wide receivers that you're going to be able to keep shaving time off. But the amount of time that we're shaving off of these guys that are 350, three, there was that one guy was Jordan like Davis. 375 yeah. pounds. Jordan Davis, and yeah. What did he ran? Was he faster than Patrick Mahomes? I think that's what like. <laughs> I think couple, he was, yeah. There was a couple of memes out there that had him, you know, running the 40 faster than Patrick Mahomes. You're like, wait a minute, that guy's a quarterback. <laughs> you know, and, and I think the players are just, they look better. I mean, you're seeing these guys 330 pounds plus, And you look at like Vince Wolferk, who, you know, was 320 pounds and you look at his body next to some of these players, then these guys that are 330, 340, and they look skinny. Like that's great. It's crazy. And like, I've always said, Jeff, I've said this before many times, a lot of times on the pod. Like, I think, I think the defensive linemen are the one or the, is the position that has probably that and tight end that have had the most dramatic increase in athletic ability combined with size that's my opinion you know like i said there's marginal increases at all the other positions but d-line o-line probably and like and uh and i think you know i'd say tight end are are three really transformational positions over the last 20 years um and to your uh, previous point just to specify things yeah that it was jordan davis who ran a four seven eight forty, and that was fat, and that was indeed faster than than Mahomes, who ran a four eight. Uh, and, and Joe, so did did you see these times? You know, uh, the scroll or through you know social media or whatever. Were you floored at all by it? Thinking you know, seeing these other your your position group and players you would have faced. Did you did you have a moment where you're like, wow, a wow I moment? Can't, 
I, yeah, I see these guys, Jeff, and I think in my prime and in any of our, our primes, you know, how, you know, look, I played with some great offensive linemen. I'm not taking anything away with that from them. You know, the John Alts of the world, Tim Grunhart's, the Will Shields. Like I just, but I think today, you know, how could we have blocked, if you took us out of the time in the nineties and just planted us into the 2020s, how would we block some of these players? I don't know. I really don't know how we would. Now, granted, what happens is everybody gets used to the speed and the strength and everything. So, of course, the offensive linemen these days can block them. But it's just I think back to it. I, I When I see them running these 40s, I see them going through these field drills at the combine. And I'm thinking to myself, especially when I look at the defensive players, right, from my perspective as an O lineman, how would I even have been able to keep up with some of these guys? And how would I have been able to block them? Like myself, my old self uh-huh. with their today self. I don't know. I don't know if I could have done it. And it's just, it's amazing. It's a, the, the physical specimens. It's, it's amazing. Amazing. Uh, we'll obviously talk about the big Chiefs news, the big AFC West news. But first, football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full stream for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, Player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your Vegas, favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, Joe, and the big Chiefs news this week was obviously, as expected, the Chiefs tagged Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, that would cost about $16.6 million if they do uh, pay him if he signs tag if that's what they end up paying him but of course the Chiefs are are hoping to sign him to a long-term extension Joe I was just kind of uh, I wanted to take this time to kind of analyze the Chiefs offensive line I was curious you know obviously the the offensive line was really good as a whole right tackle was kind of the weak spot if you will no offense to those guys but just for no other reason that there were a lot of injuries and guys um you know, Lucas Niang got hurt. Mike Remmers got hurt. Andrew Wiley was was capable there, but we, so we know that was kind of the weak spot. And again, no offense to those to the right tackles there as as much because the other spots were um, so adept. Anyhow, Joe, where do you think Orlando Brown? Like, who do you think was the best Chiefs lineman, and how do you think Orlando Brown did uh, this season? Well, I I mean. That's a really good question, Jeff. And I, I think a lot of it has to do a little bit with perspective too, mm-hmm. right? I think I think it it you know you have to not only look at the actual performance and the grade that you might you know that you might give somebody based on their performance. I think you also have to look at it from a a perspective position, right? From a perspective position, and and where some of these players came from. If I had to. You know, if I had to go into, um, you know, battle, you know, I, I pick every guy on that line. I, I think they fought their butts off this year. I really do. Um, I would have to say, 
again, from, from a perspective, pers- you know, point of view, I'd have to give Creed Humphrey, like mm. to, as a rookie to come in and do what he did in that offense. I mean, that to me is, is, you know, he went above and beyond. Um, I think in some ways I have to say, you know, and, and I, you know, it's always hard to criticize these guys because they're, you know, they're my, they're my fool brothers, right? They're my fraternal order offensive linemen brothers, right? We're <laughs> fools. We're in the fraternal order of offensive linemen. And it's hard to say, but I, I'm not saying I was disappointed with Orlando, but I definitely think, I definitely think he didn't, he didn't have the season that I thought he would, even though they put the franchise tag on him, pro bowl, the whole nine yards. I, I, there were games where I was like, hmm, like I know he's solid, right? And when you got that left tackle spot is premier, right? Um, I would have to say I was maybe disappointed is a really strong word, but I just didn't, I didn't think he met the expectations of, of, of a lot of people or a hundred percent of the people who were really watching him this year. So like from a perspective, I'd have to give Creed Humphrey like where he came from as a rookie jumping into the fray. And, you know, you just say, I can't believe he had the year he had next would have to be Trey Smith. Like, I think he's, he is going to, those two are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Look, Joe Dooney is solid, right? Tooney is solid. Like he, he, I don't think he had that, that year that, you know, you, someone would go, Oh my God, the, thank God the chief signed him and you know, everything. I, I think he, he was solid. So I think they built a group of linemen that was a solid group of players. Um, and I, I think they were a bright spot on this team. Um, but I'd have to say I'd give Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith better, like I would call them comparative grades than any of the linemen based on the fact that they were rookies, you know, based on what they're what they hit the salary cap, right? The amount of money that they're, you know, and the impact that they made based on all the financials. To me, they were two of the most impactful players on the entire team, you know, and 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 then I'd probably go with, uh, you know, Orlando Brown after that and maybe maybe Tooney after that. Not that I, not that I was disappointed in, in Joe, but like it's a lot of money that the Chiefs spent on him. But you know what? That's what you have to do. You have to go with what the market is at the time. And the Chiefs went out and got two of the best to fill those gaps and look where it got them. You know, it got them, you know, deep into the deep playoff run. Never a question that it was the offensive line that lost them a game or even came close to losing them a game. And they did what they needed to do with the backups, right? With Andrew Wiley, uh, you know, filling in for Remmers and filling in for Lucas Yang and, and getting that done. They had Austin Blythe and Nick who were full-time starters in years past. So look, I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rambling about the line because it's easy for me to do because I just love watching those guys play. I would give overall, I would give the offensive line, I would give them a solid A to an A minus on how they played this year together as a group and what they did with, you know, five new starters coming in into the mix um, into a championship, you know, caliber team. You, you got to give Andy Heck, Brett Veach, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, all the people involved in that decision. I think you got to give them a solid grade on how that line played. Joe, that is great analysis and, and really interesting, too, because you're talking about two guys uh, who, again, they did well, but Joe Tooney, who, who made a, 
who is under a five-year, $80 million contract, a guard, Orlando Brown, who probably, if he signs a long-term deal, is looking about $20 million a year. It'll be more than Tooney. And the guys who are the two best were on their cheap rookie deals, uh, you know, Creed Humphrey and, and Trey Smith. Um, th- that said, I mean, and I, I sort of, it was interesting to hear your take because that's kind of what I thought of Brown, but obviously, you know, so, so much more about offensive line play. I saw a guy who was good, but I saw there were games where he wasn't quite as good. I saw him get beat, but still a good player. Joe, so he's still a guy though, right? You, you do want, on oh, the franchise tag oh, and want to extend them, right? Yeah, yeah. We can't. We can never let happen. We have too many good things going mm-hmm. on on this team to allow what happened in the Super Bowl now two years ago, right? Almost. Um, we can't let that ever happen again, right? Like we can't let let that be a part of the equation. So there's also, you know, Jeff's like there's an opportunity cost of what if we didn't have those guys, right? And, you know, what if Brett Beach and Andy decide, well, you know, this is probably, we don't want to spend all that money. Let's just go get us a couple of stop gaps. Or, you know, what if we just see, we'll roll the dice with LDT, you know, and his and his injuries, you know, we'll, we'll roll the dice with, you know, some guys that, you know, which they, they did with, with obviously with Niang and Remmers and who didn't really, you know, pan out from an injury perspective. So, you know, what's the opportunity cost if those two aren't there? I don't think, I don't think it's, I think it's a lot. I think it's a very high opportunity cost that if they're not playing, the Chiefs don't have nearly a good a season. And that, that beginning of the season where, where we were kind of like on the downslide as a whole team, you know, I think the offensive line was what really helped pick the group up right here. I am, of course, everybody's going, of course, Joe, you think you're an offensive lineman. Of course you think, but like, to me, I think it was that group that really elevated the offense. And if you don't have those two and you don't spend all that money, what does it really look like for that group? I think, I think you don't have those two. It turns out maybe to be a mediocre, you know, a C plus B minus year. If, if we don't have Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney and don't forget, you can't take away the the senior veteran leadership that they brought to a Creed Humphrey mm-hmm. and a Trey Smith. You got to think about what was going on in the, in the classroom in the locker room, on the practice field, and bringing two young players like that along where you're playing, you know, beside two guys who are full of championship DNA, you know, fantastic, you know, leaders and players who are lunch pail guys, bring their lunch pail every day and work hard. So there's, there's, you know, there's, there's another reason why there's, they're making a lot of money because there's a, there's a factor that, you know, fans may not even think of. You, you mentioned that term championship DNA, which may, maybe we should trademark. We, we get a lot of mileage out of that. And, and they had that. They, they, of course, had that. Tuna coming from the Patriots, uh, Orlando Brown coming from the Ravens. And with the Ravens, Orlando Brown was really good, a two-time pro bowler. The, the rub on him is that they were such a run first team that he was a little – and he's such a massive guy. He was a little bit – he was a better run blocker than a pass blocker. Did you see any of that, Joe, or did you see a pretty even – run versus pass blocking uh, skill level when he was with the chiefs this past year. I think, well, I think personally, you know, watching him pretty closely and watching the whole line closely, I think he, he run, he was run blocking much better than he was pass blocking. I mm-hmm. think he still has a little bit to go, um, but he improved. And, and that's, the, that's the bright spot is that, that, that he, he improved his pass blocking. You know, you throw a player like that, 
out that, you know, out there at left tackle, out on an island by himself, all eyes on you, backside, you know, blind side of the quarterback. It's not a fun place to be. Trust me. Um, you know, this amount of stress that I used to feel by osmosis from John Alt, you know, just being his roommate on the road and, and just the things that he was dealing with as a left tackle. I mean, it's, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like being a pitcher in baseball or, you know, a shooting guard in basketball where all eyes are on you. And if things aren't going well, boy, they can really put you under a microscope. So you must have gotten that from osmosis because from what I've heard you say, whatever Grunny say, John Alt was not the most loquacious individual. Yes, yes. You must have, it must have, you must have just sensed something rather than had an extended dialogue. Yeah, it was definitely is definitely a feeling you got from him. Um, you know, and, and I think I've told the story before. My one of my favorite John Alt stories. You know, and this is the life of a left tackle. While we're talking about linemen, you know, I'll never forget it was it was John and and his wife's um, anniversary, and they did a nice dinner in Kansas City, and they you know get some time away from the kids and they had a, uh, got a room at, at a hotel and they went out for a nice dinner. They were going to have, you know, have, have a nice time, you know, kind of seeing the city as tourists. And so they're in Kansas city, they go to dinner, John's sitting on the edge of, 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 you know, the bed in the hotel. And he's like, Carolyn, we got to go home. And he's like, what, she's like, what are you talking about? You have day off tomorrow. It's Tuesday. You know, you don't have to go to practice. You're healthy. You don't have to go for treatment. Like we can do some shopping on the plaza. We can get breakfast. And like, he was like, nope, we got to go home. It's Leslie O'Neill week. <laughs> so they packed up their suitcases and left and went home. <laughs> and that was like, that was John Alt in a nutshell. Like he couldn't, he could never rest because it was Leslie O'Neill week and we were playing the chargers and he was thinking about that game, even though it was his day off. So yeah, it's a life of a left tackle stuff. I think Orlando Brown did a great job you know, of making that transition. Definitely. Uh, I think his run blocking was a little bit better than his pass blocking, but he definitely improved. And, you know, Patrick was never running for his life. I mean, you know, Patrick, uh, you know, I think, I think would, would probably tell you that, you know, that he, he felt really comfortable behind the group, the group, any, any of those five that they were in the mix during the season, obviously Orlando, Joe Creed and Trey pretty much started the whole season. It was that right tackle uh, rotation a little bit, but, I think Patrick would be the first person to tell you he was never running for his life. And I think the run, you know, I think the run blocking got better with each game. So yeah, all in all happy what they did with Orlando, happy with what they have going in with this offensive line group for the future. And uh, I think they have a lot of other positions they need to worry about. And now's the time to focus on them. Um, yeah, no great analysis there, Joe. Uh, the other, you know, that was the big chiefs news, the big news, the big NFL news, also impacts the Chiefs. Russell Wilson in a blockbuster trade going to the Denver Broncos. So now you look at the AFC West. You have, of course, Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback of the Chiefs. You have Justin Herbert, the quarterback of the LA Chargers. Derek Carr, the quarterback, no slouch himself, who's now like the fourth best quarterback in the division. And he's the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders. And of course, Wilson, now the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, Joe, the AFC West now has got to be the best division in football. Don't you think? I mean, yeah. I mean, that just puts, that's just icing on the cake, right? I mean, to have a premier play, I'm going to use the term again, championship DNA. Um, but you know, you get a guy like Russell Wilson, who's been there. He's, he's won the big game. You know, he, he, he plays well under pressure. He brings a very versatile aspect to to the offense for for the Broncos some weapons like if you're leaving Noah Fant off of your 
who's going to stop this offense and he's not in the picture, then, you know, you got some weapons. And, um, you know, I think, I think this, this division is just, man, you don't even have to be a football fan to understand the impact of this trade and, 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 and what it's going to be like for, um, you know, those divisional games, once they get rolling, I'm, I'm thrilled because I love it. You know, look, am I a chiefs homer? Of course I am. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't want to see the chiefs, you know, struggle or, you know, have, have tough games in the division, but man, if you're a football fan, how can you not love this? Every division game is going to mean something. Every division game, you know, based on how the quarterbacks play could be winnable by either the team that's playing. So I, I think it's really cool. Also, everyone who listens to this spot, it probably despises the Broncos in a way. It's like the Raiders are more of a rivalry. Yeah. Broncos is almost more of like a vitriol, a hatred. But honestly, Joe, the, the Broncos have the second longest streak in football without making the playoffs next next to the Jets. And I think it's like I think it's more fun to have kind of a foil. I think it's like, you know, like beating up on them is <laughs> sure that's, yeah. that, that's that's fun, too. But I, I think having like having a, a good rivalry back uh, will make things exciting. Yeah, Jeff, there's a I think there's a secret part of every fan that loves a close game. I mean, you know, it's like, I've always said, it's, it's easy to want your team to win by 28 points every game and cruise right to the Super Bowl. But, you know, there is a little secret part of, of everybody who is a competitive person that wants to beat the best, right? When you win something, you want to make sure you're beating the best. And when you win the AFC West, there is no doubt that the team that comes out on top of the AFC West is going to have beaten the best and, and, and none of the AFC West is, is, is leaving anything to chance. So I, I think it's cool, you know, because I used to, when I was coaching high school football, we played in, in a conference where it was like 50, 50, we, half of our teams that we would play, you know, the games would be really close and the other half, like we would, we would dominate. And I, you know, I used to see almost like a little bit of a disappointment on some of the players when, you know, when the starters were coming out and at the end of the third quarter, cause we were up by 30 points and they were almost like disappointed that the game wasn't closer. You know, there's a little secret part of people. They want to play and beat the best. And I'm telling you, this is the vision to be in right now. If you're, if you're into that kind of stuff, because I, I, I would argue that with anyone that this is, this division is going to, it's going to be rocking next year. Andy Reid always, one of the things he always says um, is we're in this business for the competition. He says that almost kind of before mm-hmm. during the press conferences uh, leading into every game week. Um, and, and you're totally right. Uh, now, obviously so much could change. We haven't had, we haven't had the draft. We haven't had free agency. The teams are going to change a lot. I mean, look at, look at the chiefs. We're probably going to add a receiver. We're probably going to add an edge rusher. There's a lot of rumors. They, they might lose Tyron Matthew, which would impact the defense. So I'm, but I'm still going to give this prediction, but right now I still have the chiefs as the best team in the division. I'm going to project them for only in March, but project them to win the division. I project the, the Broncos now with Russell Wilson to be in second place. I, I think the chargers arguably, maybe even over the chiefs could have the most talent in the division. I just, they always kind of find ways to lose. I'm not sold on their their uh, new coach, Brandon Staley. Um, but I think the Chargers the, would be the third best team. And then the Raiders, they're getting better too. Uh, I, I like the coaching change they made, but uh, I'm going as a very good fourth place team. Yeah. Joe, how, how will you see it shaking out in March? Well, think about the shenanigans that, that 
that the Raiders don't have to deal with, hopefully, right. Yeah. You know, for their sake, um, you know, that, that they won't have to deal with, uh, you know, the things that went on this year. And I give, I give that organization, I know they're the hated Raiders, but you know, come on, you got to give, you got to give those players a little bit of credit for dealing with what they dealt with and, and being able to get to the playoffs through all the, through all the craziness. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you, Jeff, the, 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 the chiefs are going to win this division and, and they have the firepower, they have the foundation and the core to build on. Uh, now it's going to be, you know, up to management to put the pieces together, depending on how the pieces fall apart, right? Because that's what happens with teams. They fall apart. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, every year is different for teams. Chemistry changes. New players come in. New players, uh, old players leave, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, the, the, the mat, this is where, this is where the management and the coaching staff and the scouts earn their paychecks is, is this time of year when they've got to go out and figure out all the scenarios, right. Who we sign, uh, because who we lost, who we draft because of who we lost, who we draft because of where we have needs. Um, and I think this is, um, this is going to test the metal of the management to, to figure out how they can overcome some of the holes that are going to get created over the next couple of months. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And this is really, you know, and this is, this is, this is really fun for fans because they get a couple of glimpses into it, right? You get, you just finished up the combine. So they get to see what young talent is out there. They get to think about the draft coming up in a month and what that's going to look like. Um, they get to see this free agent carousel and, and how things change. So football is almost, you know, I mean, really for all intents and purposes, it's almost as exciting in the off season these days, especially this time especially this week yeah. than, than it is, you know, during the season sometimes, you know, in the middle of the season when things are just kind of cranking along. Um, so I know, again, we're so far off. Do you also think the Broncos – would be the number two team right now. Oh, sorry. I, I got, I went off on a tangent there, Jeff. Sorry. You asked me that question, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say, I would say with the addition of Russell, what offensive weapons they have and their ability to put points up, seeing how, you know, what the Raiders are still going to deal with. I totally agree with you seeing what the chargers did and didn't do last season. Um, I would definitely go chiefs, Broncos, chargers, Raiders. Yeah. I, 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 I'm in lockstep with you on where I would see the division in March, right? Yeah. Where I would see the division finishing right now. Um, you know, somebody could come up with some blockbuster trade we don't know about. Those things could change, but that's the fun of the offseason. But I totally agree with you. I think the Broncos have, have leapfrogged uh, into a spot where Russell Wilson has that kind of, you know, he has that kind of game that that he could he could be the game changer that the organization needs to you know, propel themselves to the playoffs. Only losing season he ever had was this past season uh, when, he, when he was hurt with the thumb injury and it didn't look the same when he came back. And yeah, I really think the Chargers are the most mercurial of these teams. They have, I mean, they have so much talent. And before we wrap up here, Joe, just your thoughts, a lot of, a lot of smoke, a lot of rumors around Tyron Matthew, who is an unrestricted free agent. Your thoughts on, on what's going to happen there? Well, social media doesn't help, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just more, more stuff for people to analyze and try to read between lines of what he's saying in his tweets and some of the stuff that he's posting on social media. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's the reality of the game is that, you know, sometimes players just don't seem to fit in 
based on the economics and the value that you get out of a certain player. It happens for every player to some sooner than others. Some, you know, it happens uh, more dramatically. Some it's a little bit more subtle and fans might not even know some of the background and communications that go on between the management and the coaching staff and the player. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know from what I'm, what I'm feeling if my gut, my gut is telling me Jeff that he's not going to be here next year. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. You, you have to look at the marginal effect that you get. I mean, now if you go back to that Buffalo bills game, when they didn't now, again, I'm going to use that term opportunity cost, right? There's that term comes up again. When you look at the opportunity cost of not having Terran Matthew in that game, I'm, I'm still a staunch believer that him not being in that game cost the Chiefs somewhere between seven to ten points, and and I'm and that's not just because of the touchdowns or points that were scored, you know, when he wasn't in there. I'm talking about the way that the Bills took advantage and changed their game plan when he wasn't in there. And 100%. and I and, and I don't I don't know if the Chiefs can afford that right now with what they're trying to build. You know, you can't you can't afford to lose somebody who in a big game like that's going to cost you seven to ten points if he's not in there. Chiefs better buck up and 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 and, and pay Terrell Matthew what he needs to pay to, to to see this thing through. So I would hate to see him go, but there's some I don't know what it is, Jeff. I'm not trying to be a I'm not trying to like put it out there because I don't want him to go anywhere. Because I, I think I think the world of him. I think he's a leader on the field. He's a leader off the field. Um, there's just something in 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 my gut that I'm reading between the lines that he he may not be here next year. Now could it all be? negotiation stuff and who knows that's why the social media stuff is so hard um i I want him to come back i want to see him there i think it it, you know it solidifies a spot where they can go focus on some other things if he is here because i think if he's not that might be the number one spot they've got to fill um going back to my my prediction which i kind of stole off dane brugler of the athletic of Daxton Hill being the pick for the, the Chiefs in the first round. Now, um, and I, gr- I agree with your calculation of seven to 10 points in that Bills game, not only just because, like you said, they were able to game play them differently, but you saw several communication breakdowns on scoring plays. Uh, and yeah, I want to caution fans that, um, like you said, take the social media posts, which have been kind of negative from, from, from Matt, Matthew himself, with a grain of salt, because we remember that Chris Jones was saying, we was talking about holding out. He was uh, messaging with uh, Le'Veon Bell saying that was, and then he signed the, the long-term deal. So, you know, it, take it with a grain of salt. The reason why I'm a little bit pessimistic um, is the Orlando Brown situation is that he's tagged. I think they are going to work out a long-term deal, but it might not be, you know, it might take a while. And, the, and so that's, they've got to prepare themselves for that amount of money. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to get tight. So that's, that, that's, that's, that's my fear. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.